The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Today, vanish when someone goes missing. All of the guests on PIs Declassified are important guests, but today, in particular, we will be discussing the stories of two girls. One, Molly Bish, whose case, whose missing person case has been resolved, and the other, Kyla Porter, who's been missing for three years, and we know that someone, somewhere, has information about Kyla. 16-year-old Molly Bish was abducted 10 years ago, where she was a lifeguard in Warren, Massachusetts. Her sister, Heather Bish, is with us today to talk about Molly and the Molly Bish Foundation. Three years back, Kyla Porter disappeared from an area near Holiday, Florida. Kyla's mother, Teresa Ahern, is here to tell us about Kyla. Many of you who are listening have been involved one way or another in a missing persons case. You may have had someone go missing in your family. You may have assisted with a search. You may even be a private investigator. I can't imagine much worse than realizing that you have no idea where your loved one is, and every avenue you can think of has been explored. Whether it happened yesterday, 10 years ago, or 20, this person is always on your mind, and you never give up hope. With them today is missing person specialist Thomas Shamshack, a former police chief and a licensed private investigator who is licensed in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Tom, are you with me? Francie, good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Tom, would you just give um, our listeners a short background of how you got involved in seeking for missing persons? I certainly will. Before I do, I'd like to just commend you for launching your uh, PID uh, classified show. I wish you all the best. Uh, you're certainly an authoritative uh, figure in the PI industry, and uh, I trust that many uh, young uh, fledging PIs will benefit from this program, as well as veterans. Thanks, Tom. Uh, uh, Francie, I uh, was in the law enforcement field for 21 years. I retired, and when I uh, was developing my business plan as I was about to retire, uh, among the areas that I felt that I was uh, qualified to pursue in the private sector was missing persons. And uh, I indeed began to uh, pursue uh, runaway cases, uh, child abduction cases involving parental uh, issues, uh, advertising to families, uh, family lawyers. And uh, a year after I was in the private sector, uh, my, uh, my professional 
um, focus uh, changed. Um, uh, a fellow that I have known now for 20 years, John Bish, a uh, former probation officer in the town of, uh, uh, he was working then for the Spencer District Court. I was the police chief of the town of Spencer back in 1990. John and I are about the same age, family structure, the same, uh, similar interests, and we had collaborated uh, with uh, his court and my police department to work with the uh, probationers. Well, in uh, June of uh, 2000, um, I heard a radio uh, um, announcement that a young lifeguard from Warren, Massachusetts, was missing from her lifeguard post, and I heard the last name Bish. Now, I had never met John's uh, family, uh, his three children or his wife, uh, but I immediately sensed uh, that uh, that's an uncommon name and uh, uh, listened a day later and, and knew that it was uh, John Bish's family. I uh, reached out, offered my assistance, and uh, if we could fast forward, um, three years later, after Molly's remains were recovered bone by bone, five miles from where she had been abducted from her post, uh, my professional uh, direction really changed. I got involved uh, with uh, the Bish family, became their um, private investigator working on a pro bono basis for the family, um, became the public safety consultant to the Molly Bish Foundation, which was established to launch child safety initiatives and to uh, assist families on a pro bono basis with investigative services. Uh, the family asked me to uh, uh, get as much training as I could. Uh, they encouraged me to uh, pursue training with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which I did. And uh, I have, uh, through the family and the, the foundation, worked with uh, a number of uh, families across the country. And, uh, and that's uh, where I, I got my start, and uh, I have been uh, fortunate to meet with uh, private investigators uh, from around the country who are like-minded and who uh, collaborate uh, you know, on a pro bono basis in, in many cases. You know, Tom, when you, just, when you said how you heard on the, was that on the radio? Yes, WBZ radio here in Boston. You heard uh, that a person named, a girl named Bish was missing. That gave me chills when you said that. Because not all, I mean, we hear, we hear those stories often. We hear the evening news, we hear on the radio, somebody's gone missing and there's a search out. And, but when it's somebody you know or you suspect you know, that just gave me chills. Yeah, and uh, John and I uh, were, were, were friends uh, and, and colleagues. Uh, I left the town of Spencer in 1995. Uh, he wished me well as I departed for my second uh, police chief position back uh, in uh, eastern Massachusetts. Uh, I, I never thought that uh, our paths would cross again, but uh, they did. Uh, and I, I never knew... Uh, never met Molly Bish, never knew her, but boy, I have a sense uh, of, uh, of who she is uh, in, in spirit from uh, being in her home, uh, being with her parents, and being with her siblings uh, and, and learning from them, as well as her friends and other family members. Well, let me just say that if uh, our listeners are interested in learning more about Molly Bish uh, after the program, they can go to www. Molly, M-O-L-L-Y-B-I-S-H dot org. And uh, there's quite a bit of information on that website. And uh, I'd like to introduce, at this point, Heather Bish, 
Molly Bish's sister, Heather. Hi. Hi. Would you tell the story about how you heard about Molly's disappearance and what ensued after that? Sure. Uh, Molly had trained to become a lifeguard uh, the whole winter before she um, received her position at Cummins Pond. My brother had um, been the lifeguard there for the three previous years. So he had trained her for about five days prior to her disappearance. She was on her third day of being by herself um, when she was abducted. What happened was um, it was the first day of swimming lessons, and um, my mom dropped her off about um, 5 of 10 o'clock, and um, she you know, went and got her stuff. There wasn't um, a lifeguard chair at the time, so she was just sitting in a beach chair. And there was no one else there as well? No, there was nobody else there. The day before, my mother had um, dropped her off, and there was a man in the parking lot in a, in a white car, and he gave my mom sort of an un easy feeling, so my mom had ended up going up and sitting with Molly for a little while, and the man was still sitting in his car in the parking lot, and she thought it was kind of funny because it didn't look like he was fishing. Um, he was just sitting there smoking a cigarette and kind of giving her an uneasy stare. So she kind of looked back at him, and, and he eventually left, and, um, you know, she followed behind him. She didn't really give it much thought um, after that. She, you know, she talked to Molly a little bit about safety, you know, um, the basics, but um, when when we got the call the next day, um, it wasn't until one o'clock in the afternoon, and um, the the police called and said, you know, do you know where Molly is? And my mom said, well, she's supposed to be at work, and um, they said, well, she's not there. And so immediately, my mother jumped in the car, called me. Um, so and at that time, I had a ten-month-old daughter, so I very quickly tried to strap her into her car seat and followed behind my mother. By the time I met my mother, we were in front of the police station. My mother had already gone down to the pond and saw that Molly's shoes were still uh, there. And she kept, she kept telling me as we're running into the police station, her shoes are there, her shoes are there. So we went in. The, the officers on duty um, didn't seem too concerned. They said, well, she probably just went off with her friends. And my mother said, no, she, she isn't like that. She's a very conscientious girl. She, you know, she's played three sports, mm -hmm. trained to be a, um, a lifeguard all winter, was an honor roll student. Um, it wasn't in her nature to just leave a job. Um, and it, Heather, and for me, me, it wasn't in her nature to walk around without her shoes on. So that was a, really a, a, a huge clue to me. I said, something is very wrong here. Who reported her missing? Who called uh, the police? Well, um, when the first um, mother came to the beach with her, her child to, to take the swimming lessons, she saw that the first aid kit was opened and that the lifeguard whistle and, and the police radio were next to the chair. So she just picked up the whistle and sort of acted in the in the lifeguard's place, did call down to the police station. I guess the parks commissioner in, in that three-hour period um, had gone to up to the pond and, you know, closed the kit, closed the safety kit, and, um, you know, kind of, disrupted the crime scene um when mm. you know i don't know that he contacted the police again uh, again we weren't called till one o'clock so we weren't sure what was going on um and when we when are back at the let me ask when you say pond uh can you describe that area for us absolutely uh the pond is located down a dead-end street uh, it was used by the water department for many years um now it's just a local swimming pond um uh, actually and, and a fishing pond Actually, not many people even in the town or the local area know where Cummins Pond is. It's not a highly populated um, beach 
there's a, a, um, a lake in the next town that is more, much more popular. So it's not really, I mean, you had to know where it was. It's not on a main road. There's no signs pointing out this is where Cummins Pond is. Um, you kind of had to know where it was. And but again, it's run it by the Park Commission primarily. It, I'm sorry, it's run by the Parks Commission? Uh, no, it, w- it was used by the Water Department at one time. The, no and longer so, now, it was just a recreational. So the Water Department is still in charge of it? No, no, they're not. They're not, it's okay. It's a recreational All facility right. now. Go on. So when we went to the police station, we went in, and we are very panicked. Um, and I said, you know, she didn't have her shoes on. And, and they keep saying, well, she's probably took off with her friends. And I said, well, did you check her friends? And they had said no. So I said, all right, Mom, I'm going to go to her friend's houses that are in the area, and I'm going to call my, my ex-husband um, and have him call her friends and see if, um, you know, if anyone's seen her or, or what's going on. So me, so while I was doing that, my mom was demanding that the chief come. The, and um, so he came down, and at that point they, they did call the state police. And um, by the time I got back to the pond, they were um, trying to organize a, a search. Um, again, the crime scene was um, disrupted by the parks commissioner. And um, so they're, they're, you know, it, it was just trampled on the, with, with the, the kids and the parents and every, everybody else. So there wasn't anything that was um, preserved. So How many hours after your mom dropped her off was this taking place? Uh, th- well, three hours later. Three hours later. Statistically, uh, when you're abducted by a non-family uh, in a non-family abduction, you're dead 76% of the time right. <laughs> in, the, in the first three hours. So she was probably already dead by the time we went looking for her. Hmm. That's, uh, that's an amazing story. And so then what happened next? So at that point, um, I had actually stopped at Molly's boyfriend at the time. She had a new relationship. Um, and I picked him up, and we went to the pond. Uh, and again, they're organizing a search. The state police had called in divers because they assumed that she drowned. Um, and then we were trying to locate my dad. My dad was a probation officer, as Tom mentioned. And on certain days of the week, he would go on the road and, and, and check his um, clients. Okay, Heather, we're coming up to a break. Okay. Um, hang on to that thought. You'll hear more about this unusual case after the break. This is PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. That's uh, Heather Fish. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 
35 years, the Council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the Council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. We're talking with licensed private investigator Tom Shamshack who specializes in missing persons cases, and Heather Bish of the, of the Molly Bish Foundation, Teresa Ahern, the mother of Kyla. Both Heather and Teresa have experienced having a loved one go missing. Well, Kyla's just... last name is Porter. I just want to make sure you put that out there. I'm, I'm Aaron's, but she's Porter. <laughs> All right. Did I say Porter? Uh, did I say Aaron's? I apologize. You just, you just said Kyla, so I just want to make sure that okay. everybody knows her last name is Porter. Thanks. I appreciate that, Teresa. Okay. So, Kyla Porter, who is missing. And we're just uh, right now talking with Heather, uh, Heather Bish of the uh, Molly Bish Foundation and the sister of Molly Bish, who was missing 10 years ago. Um, Heather, you were just telling us about um, you were at the pond with um, law enforcement who were, were instituting a search. And tell us what happened after that. So, as, as the night proceeded, we... we began to see that Molly obviously was not in, um, in the water. Um, the searches were not revealing that she was in the immediate area. Uh, so we went home very frightened and afraid. I, I mean, I can't tell you how, um, how absolutely terrorizing it is to go to bed when you don't know where your sister or your loved one is. Um, that was probably the worst night of my entire life. The next day um, and, and the preceding weeks, um, they or the state police um, organized massive searches. It was one of the biggest uh, searches in, in uh, Massachusetts 
to locate Molly. Uh, there were helicopters. Um, there was sonar equipment borrowed from the Navy. And we learned very, um, very quickly, too, that the best way to locate a missing child is to have a head and shoulders picture. And because my Molly was the third child, um, my parents by that point didn't even know where their camera was. <laughs> so right. there, many of the pictures of Molly were very silly. Her prom pictures, funny pictures with her friends. But we didn't have, and because she was a teenager, she changed her hair, changed her style um, quite often. And um, so because of that and that position that we um, um, were in, we um, kind of developed our foundation um, on the kitchen table of our house um, that very, the very next day. We realized that um, probably many parents didn't have um, pictures of their child in, in, this, in a, just a plain head and shoulders everyday shot. And we learned um, as, we, as the journey continued that this was um, the strongest piece to locating a child. So that is really how our, our foundation was born, and we began... Um, taking pictures of children and, and, and advocating and, and educating parents and communities that um, you need a, to have a booklet. I mean, even if, God forbid, something doesn't happen like this to you, children get very quickly uh, separated from their parents at places like Six Flags or, or um, carnivals or amusement parks. And, and to have that picture is the best way to, to locate your child in, in the quickest way possible. And so is really that that's what our, our foundation started with. And, you know, my parents have um, developed it in, in enormous ways. They, they helped bring the Amber Alert program to Massachusetts and to the country. They've worked on the, um, the Adam Walsh bill. They um, have advocated for all sorts of legislation to protect um, children in the Commonwealth and across the country. And, Heather, is that the ID program that's talked about on your on the website? Yes, yes, that is the child ID kits. Um, <clears throat> we have a booklet that has, a, like I said, a head and shoulders picture of your child, and there's a, an, an information page where you provide if there's, you know, if your child has a special uh, mole or certain, you know, unique qualities, and, of course, the date and, um, you know, what color hair and eyes and all of that. And then there's just information uh, about safety, the eight rules for safety and what happened to Molly and... Um, we feel that these are very important and something that um, families should should keep in their um, cars or in their in their home and 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 um, have done every year for their for their children. You're absolutely right. So That's a great suggestion. Heather, take us back to when uh, Molly's remains were found. So what, how did Molly, that happen? Um, you know, there was enormous searches, and, and we began our foundation and advocacy efforts. We just um, we didn't know what to do. Um, when you're in a position like this, you, um, my parents feel and, and, and taught my brother and my sister and I that if something bad happens, you try to, try to make it better. And so, and so that's what they did. And um, we, we worked on that. And then one day um, my dad received a phone call that said um, there was a bathing suit found, that a hunter had been up in the woods and found a, a piece of a blue bathing suit. And um, very quickly the state police um, went there and they um, organized a search. Actually, it was a, based on um, the medical examiner at the time was a uh, forensic anthropologist, and she did a grid. She organized um, a very um, specific grid-by-grid search that had these state police officers shoulder-by-shoulder shoulder digging through the woods for, for Molly's remains. And, I mean, they were traveling up a steep hill in the middle of June, under thick underbrush, and um, 
they literally brought Molly home. They would find an arm bone one day, uh, you know, a leg bone the next day. Molly's twenty-six of Molly's two hundred and six bones were recovered on the side of a on the side of a mountain. And um, we weren't sure if it was her. I mean, we we were pretty sure because of the bathing suit and and all of that. The location was within five miles of the pond and within two and one half miles from our home, and that fits into the statistics exactly. In fact, um, so you know we were very unprepared for this, and um, they ended up finding Molly's skull and were able to um, get the DNA from her teeth and and were able to identify her quickly, which was sort of a miracle because just agonizing. Um, I can't tell you how psychologically agonizing it is to be, you know, waiting for your sister's pieces to come home. Um, Molly was put in a child-sized casket, which was put in a large adult casket, and um, we buried her on her on her 20, 20th birthday. How long after she disappeared were her the bones found? Three years, almost to the date. Three years. By that time, your Molly Bish Foundation must have been uh, pretty well on its way. It was, yes. Yes, my parents have been tirelessly um, promoting child safety and um, working. Uh, you know, my dad would, um, you know, he worked as a probation officer. He would fly to California and come back two days later and go right back to identifying children. He, he, they never um, have taken a break. They, they have never given up um, trying to educate others so that this never happens to another child. And how, if someone wanted to get involved in the foundation, how would they go about doing that? Uh, I believe there's a volunteer page um, where they can um, email and contact the foundation um, for information in a volunteer form. Okay, on the www.mollybish.org. And we actually have a number of PIs that um, volunteer in our organization. They are pretty good with the fingerprinting aspect. <laughs> All right, and let me take it back to Tom. Tom, yes. were you involved in the search um, after they found the bathing suit? Uh, no, the uh, that was restricted to law enforcement, and there were plenty of uh, resources uh, out there. I stood back and, uh, and and just watched everything and pretty much explained process uh, of what was going on and uh, that that was my role uh, with yeah, the family. If, if at I that could point. just interject, um, one of the wonder the, the most important and significant parts I think working with um, as a family member working with a private investigator is you don't get um, a lot of information from the police. I mean, one of the things we learned is that they don't really want to tell you anything. I know as much as uh, you know. The, the guy down the road that is unrelated to the case. So Tom's role in this investigation, not only, um, you know, helping to try to find the person responsible for doing this to my sister, but as a personal um, role he had, he, he really was able to break down what was going on in the investigation and what was happening and why things were the way they were. You know, as a as a teacher, I don't, I don't know about criminal law and, and criminal investigations, so... For him to be able to explain that and to work with us, um, I, I, it, it's sort of a, a gift you can't um, put a price on. Now, uh, Heather, I want to bring that out. Uh, you said you were a teacher. I know that you're, you've, uh, 
your particular interest is special education. Yes. And um, and you're also you've got you have a master's and I you're do, also working on your I'm PhD. Really, is that correct? Yes, I'm getting my doctorate at Northeastern currently. That's great. And now this case is still an open pending case. Is that yes. right? You don't have. Molly's um, well, well, case was just um, put into the unresolved case unit um, a number of years ago. Uh, my dad, being in law enforcement and 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 working with um, we well we actually developed a Molly Bish Center at Anna Maria College that does a lot of um, which is in central Massachusetts, which does a, a lot of training for police officers has a lot of educational program um, for for them and they um, created the Molly Bish Center to to um, Sort of um, provide trainings for social workers, police at a at a lower cost, and we partnered up with the district attorney's office in um, Worcester County, and and it, it, still running today. And one of the things that they talked about was these cold cases, and this is how they sort of sat in in file cabinets. And my dad said, my dad thought, well, you know, it was a shame, and that they maybe should change the the idea of it to an unresolved case and have someone continue to work on it. And so Worcester, um, the Worcester District Attorney's Office created that, and now a number of organizations are doing that. And one of the great ties um, as, as far as the private investigators' role in that is they um, created a, they, they created a um, sort of a, a bridge where a lot of these um, private investigators in the area are providing pro bono work for these unresolved cases and their families. That's terrific. I believe that isn't that Tom through the licensed private detective uh, association of Massachusetts. It is uh, during my uh, presidency in the year two thousand four to two thousand five. Excuse me. Let me let me ha- let me have you hold for just a second because we need to go to a break. More coming up. Stay tuned. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. Cali's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact Cali at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. 
Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Imagine your life moving along in its usual routine and you receive a call that your sister, your daughter, your mother, or another family member is missing. What do you do first? Who do you call? Do you call? It can't possibly be true. Do you do anything different if your loved one is a minor or if your loved one is an adult? How do the authorities react? Heather Bish and Teresa Ahern both know the answers because they've experienced it. With them is private investigator Tom Shamshack who they did turn to. And right now we're talking to Tom about how he got involved and uh, with the Massachusetts Association of Licensed Private Detectives and how they became involved in Molly Bish's disappearance. Uh, thank you, Francie. Uh, again, during the, uh, my presidency of LPDAM, um, I wanted to do something uh, you know, during that year and what I convinced John Bish uh, to do with me was to form a, uh, a lasting partnership between LPDAM and the Molly Bish Foundation. And what we did was we provided some training to uh, local private investigators throughout New England, and John and uh, his family brought in uh, families whose loved ones were missing. And what we did during two, uh, two sessions was to link up local private investigators to work on these uh, cold cases. And we have now actually gone out of state. And, uh, again, uh, uh, Teresa Ahearns uh, saw me uh, on a national television program and uh, reached out to me after she did some work, uh, checking my background, knew of my involvement with the Molly Bish Foundation, and uh, I've gone to Florida uh, to work on her case. Thank you, Tom. And, Teresa, you're here with us. Um, and I would like you to tell our listeners about your daughter, Kyla, Kyla Porter. Yes, 
I, I'm so glad to have an opportunity to be on your show. Uh, my case is uh, a slightly um, different, uh, even though, you know, the pain is just as bad. But I think uh, Molly was still a minor. Uh, in my case, um, when you say, you know, um, that uh, missing child, do you call, um, I had to deal with the fact that she was uh, uh, legally an adult, but just barely. So that did make mine different, um, very different in the eyes of the law, because uh, the first time I contacted authorities, uh, you know, they, because she was an adult, uh, they want to wait a time period because people, you know, sometimes just go away on their own and uh, we can't just look for them all of a sudden, you know, we, we have to wait a time period. Well, you know, deep down inside, I know, you know, that there's something wrong and um, I'm wanting, you know, somebody to do something right away and that wasn't happening. Um, so there was precious time that was lost and then again, you know, when they tell you this, you start thinking because deep down inside you don't really want to believe that anything bad happened. So you're thinking, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm overreacting. You know, maybe she did just, uh, you know, mm-hmm. go off with some of her friends because she was, you know, still, uh, she was an adult, but she was a young adult. And to me, she was still a baby. So um, it's, you know, just as important to keep... Um, you know, it's like they grow up, but um, you know it doesn't hurt any less. You know, when okay. they're um, when they're taken from you. And um, what happened in Kyla's case is um, she was a young adult, so she was, um, you know, she was in an area, <clears throat> excuse me, where a, a lot of um, her friends were were going out, and um, she was uh, supposed to come over to my house that night, actually, but. Um, my car had broke down when I um, went to go uh, I pick up my grandchildren from daycare. I usually picked her up to come over and help me watch the kids. And um, my car had broke down, so I let her sister uh, run get the kids from daycare. And as soon as she left, I, um, I remembered that I was supposed to go by um, her older sister's house, is where Kyla was staying, and pick her up to bring her over here with me for the evening until her older sister got off work to come by and get her. And there wasn't a phone at the house, so I couldn't call her. I did try to get her older sister to run by there to tell her, you know, what happened that I forgot. And um, she couldn't get away from work. So, you know, that kind of bothered me. I didn't want her to think that I just purposely forgot her, you know, how moms are. But um, anyway, when my daughter got off work and came by and picked up the kids on her way home, she said that... uh, uh, Kyla had, she called me and she said, well, Kyla just called and she said that she would be home with, uh, within an hour, um, which would make it around 11 o'clock and 11 p.m. And, uh, she said she was with a particular friend. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Am I Tom? Um, her no, friend, no, that she, I, would, I would avoid that. Okay. She said she was with a particular friend and, uh, that she would be home around 11 o'clock. Well, um, you know, I went to bed that night thinking, well, that's good, you know, um, and I, I, I asked my daughter, I said, you did make sure to tell her, you know, what happened and why I didn't come and get her, and uh, she says, yeah, I told her, Mom, everything's okay. So then the next morning, you know, my daughter calls me back, um, and or I called her, I don't remember, she says, you know, uh, Kyla never did come home last night. 
I said, she didn't. I said, well, that's strange. I said, well, she probably just, you know, stayed the night with um, her friend that she said she was with. And um, the number she called in on, we didn't recognize. It didn't come up as uh, her friend's number. It was a a certain area code, but we couldn't uh, recall it. But at the time, we really didn't know it was important to even remember it. Uh, because I was trying to, because uh, I, I asked uh, my daughter, I said, do you have uh, her friend's number? She says, no, I don't have it. So I got busy looking for it, um, and I finally found it like the next day, and I called her up thinking, you know, she would be there. So I just asked to speak to her, and she said that she wasn't there. I says, what do you mean? Where where did she go? I just said, you know, did, did she leave? How did she leave? You know, because she's not, she's not back at home yet. And she says, no, I haven't seen her in, you know, a couple of weeks. And uh, I said, what do you mean you haven't seen her? I said, she, she just said the other night she was with you and she would be home in a little bit. So she when says, did you contact the police? Uh, I contacted the police um, probably right after I hung up the phone from talking to her because I just got a sick feeling in my stomach. And they told me they would come out. Uh, they came out, um, I guess, about four hours later that day. And uh, the problem was, it was a it was a police officer, and he didn't he didn't give it much. Um, uh, um, he just didn't give it much um, play at all. In other words, he didn't. He tried to talk me out of even making a report. He said, "Look," he says, "You know, she's probably just off with her friends." He says, "We really can't take a report. They've got to be missing at least a certain amount of time <clears throat> before we can even, you know, take it as a missing persons report." Well, I I don't know what the law is, so I'm sitting here thinking, "Okay." He says, "Well, why don't we give it a couple of weeks?" And I said, "A couple of weeks." You know, and I'm, he says, you know, she's probably, you know, around somewhere. You, you know, she, she's probably not missing. She's going to turn up. So I didn't really give it a couple of weeks. But then I think it was about a week later is all I could stand to wait. So I called the police again. And so then they send somebody out. I'm sitting there taking the report or giving him the report. And then he says, oh, she's missing from your daughter's house. And he says, well, where was that? I says, well, that was in Holiday. He says, well, we can't take the report because you're in the city here of Newport Ritchie. You have to call the sheriff's department. So then you have to refer it to Pasco. Yeah, I'm like, you got to be kidding. So anyway, then I call the sheriff's department. Well, the sheriff's department says that he has to take the report from my daughter's house, which my daughter was working all the time. So then we had to set up an appointment and when she could be free. And, you know, then there's a couple of more days ticking by. All this time, you're not knowing, you know, at the time that these are precious minutes that are going by, you know, that are just eating up that time that, you know, if you know, you know, what I know now that my daughter never was found, that, you know, all those minutes that tick by that everybody talked me into waiting, you know, might have saved my daughter's life or might have found her or something. So anyway, uh, they ended up making um, making a report. Uh, I think um, um, it was on the 4th um, of the following month. That's how long it took. And that's in 2008, is that correct? Yes, and... Um, so we give a report, and still again, they're they're still trying to tell me, um, 
you know, she probably is just, you know, off somewhere, and she'll probably be back. These things, you know, we just had a girl, they're telling me the story, we just had a girl, you know, a couple weeks ago that she Teresa, went we have, missing. I'm sorry, and, we have to take a break. Okay. Uh, I don't want to interrupt you, but uh, we need to take a break. More about missing Kyla Porter after the break. Okay. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PI's Declassified. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie 
at PISDeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Kyla Porter was last seen February 15, 2008. She called her twin sister and told her twin sister she was on her way home. Kyla's mother, Teresa Ahern, here with us on PIs Declassified, needs your help. If you have any information at all, no matter how slim you believe it to be, contact the Florida PASCO, P-A-S-C-O-E, County Sheriff's Office at 727-847-5878. That's 727-847-5878. Kyla's family just needs to know she's okay. Heather Bish, Molly Bish's sister, who was abducted, knows exactly how she, how Teresa feels. And Teresa, uh, you wanted to tell us how frustrated you are in the, where you are now three years later. Yeah, to make a long story short, for, I know we have a limited time. Uh, I am so frustrated, I can't even tell you. I feel like I've let Kyla down because um, I didn't know what to do, and I acted too late on a lot of things, and I listened um, to people that, for whatever reason, they either didn't didn't care or didn't take it seriously. And, um, you know, I would just like everybody to know that um, even if your child is, is not um, um, an underage child, it hurts just as bad. And uh, if you have a feeling inside your stomach, just that slightest little possibility, there's a small window, and everybody knows this, there's a small window which you will be able to, you know, catch somebody or find somebody if they're missing. And I kept thinking all along that, no, this really can't be happening to me. Everybody thinks that. This really can't be happening to me. This doesn't happen to me. It happens to other people. Right. And right. it did happen to me. And three years later, my daughter's still gone. And I still don't know any more today than I knew then. And I couldn't get any help. Um, you know, like the other girl said, you don't get uh, any, you know, if the, if the, um, the sheriff's department knows anything, they're not sharing it with me. Um, they even actually um, made a comment to me that the case was closed, and I'm like, how could a case be closed? She hasn't been found yet. We don't know anything yet. You know, I don't know anything. You know, I, I know that somebody in this town in Newport Ritchie or Holiday, um, it's, it's, uh, it's eastern Florida here in the mid middle part of Florida, Somebody here knows what happened to my daughter, and nobody's coming forward. And it's just um, agony every day of my life. Well, Teresa, it's a good thing that you found Tom Shamshack because yeah. he, he's a worthy advocate, and he can uh, help you with the resources you need. Yeah, Thank I you. did see. I saw him on um, a television show uh, that he was affiliated with, uh, the Psychic Kids, and. Um, they started doing, you know, sections on um, missing children, and uh, I had wrote his name down, and I Googled it, and uh, I, I sent him um, uh, an email, and uh, along with uh, Cynthia, she has the Lost and Missing Foundation uh, on Facebook, mm-hmm. and uh, they have both been a really big help uh, in getting some media coverage outside of my area, but I'm still trying to get some local coverage. I can't yeah. get any local 
uh, media to to do anything, you know, about this. I don't know if there's so many missing people in our area that, you know, they just pick the, the really uh, juicy stories to cover or, or what it is, but I just can't get any media coverage, and I'm it's sure, frustrating. I'm sure Tom can help you with that. Heather, do you have any last words for our listeners or for Teresa? Well, uh, I think it's really important to work together um, as a community to to um, get the word out there when you have a missing child. Um, it, when there's someone out there that took a child, it endangers not just the child, but the community as a whole. And uh, we need to remember that. Yeah. And, Tom, how about you? What would you have to say both to the listeners and to... Teresa, and where we can go from here. Well, I think we've heard two compelling stories today that uh, uh, grab at the heart. Uh, I, I commend you again for uh, your radio show's uh, willingness to air this particular subject matter. It's very, very important. Uh, I'd ask uh, family members to uh, don't sit alone with that agony. Uh, reach out to private investigator associations at the state level, and, and seek some pro bono assistance. And are there other associations that they, should, they could contact? Um, you, you're talking about the licensed private detectives yes. of Massachusetts? I, I think I, mean, I would like to uh, uh, you know, propose that uh, state associations across the country develop a uh, cold case committee and uh, reach out to... Uh, the constituency of these uh, families. There is about forty to 50,000, uh, you know, unidentified uh, victims out there. Um, we, if we could begin to match up, uh, you know, these remains with uh, these uh, outstanding missing persons cases. Forty to 60,000. Of unidentified remains, yes. That's amazing. And... Do you happen to know how the statistics on how many people are reported missing every year? Well, uh, we know that, at least with, with children, uh, there are about 163,000 uh, parental abductions a year. Uh, there are approximately uh, uh, 5,000 stranger abductions a year. Uh, out of that, about 140 children are, uh, are, are murdered. Uh, there are about uh, 140,000 runaway children. Uh, with adults, uh, it, it, it's very difficult because there's nothing like the National Center for Missing Exploited Children, which has a $35 million budget to, you know, do some uh, uh, embracing of this as an issue. What uh, Teresa talked about is a common refrain. There are no laws that mandate the immediate reporting of, of a missing adult. Uh, the 1990 legislation that uh, was generated through the efforts of John Walsh and, and, and other family members uh, requires that police immediately um, you know, take a report uh, and, and enter it into the uh, NCIC missing person file. Uh, once somebody's 18 years of age, and you heard Teresa say that her daughter was just over the age Local law enforcement across this country does not have a uniform standard protocol of, of screening and dealing with these kinds of cases. It's something that really needs to be addressed. The bishops yeah. have done this 
We need to close the program, Tom. I'm sorry I'm interrupting you, but uh, I think you got it all out of there. Thank you to Heather Bish, the Molly Bish Foundation, Teresa Ahern, mother of missing Kyla Porter, and Tom Shamshack, licensed private investigator, for being with us today. If you want to get involved with the Molly Bish Foundation, email mollybishfoundation at comcast.net. If you've seen Kyla or know something about where she is and do not feel comfortable contacting the police, please contact Tom Shamshack through PIs Declassified, Francie at PIsDeclassified.com. Kyla Porter's website is www.findkylaporter.com. Coming up in the next few weeks will be stories about false confessions and lies, human trafficking, and runaway teens and other tantalizing cases. So tune in next week as we declassify another episode from the Fascinating Files of Private Investigators. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.